Welcome to episode 912 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 912. I am talking with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Kia ora, Bevan. How you going? Yeah, we, we, we have a different kind of show today because we had an interview lined up, so it's early in the morning. Uh, it's scorching in, in the weather in Christchurch, so the house has almost got a sweat on. Uh, but our interview cancelled on us, so <laughs> we're doing it over Zoom. Yeah, both poor Poor t-shirt selections today by both of us, both wearing grey, which is not great on what's probably going to be the hottest day of the year. And I'm having my second cup of coffee for the morning, so which I don't normally do, probably not helping the, the heat sweats. Anyway, yeah. I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our awesome patrons. We've got Shane the Butler Reeves. We had the butler down at the Canterbury Classic Triathlon doing an amazing volunteer role uh, the weekend before last, as he always does. Kevin the Assassin Hunt. And then we've got Connor, a camel, into grass. Now, in this week's show, team, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. Uh, we've got a pro of the week. We've got a short coach's corner. I might end up doing a segment, uh, depending on how long we're going with time. My first try, we were meant to have an interview. Unfortunately, that will probably be on the show next week. Uh, some questions answered at the end. Now, interestingly, you said last week we were recording the show. You said there's a high chance they're going to announce another PTO race as soon as we finish the show. And literally, I think I got in from finishing the show and I got the email. It's more than just one race they revealed. They've revealed the T100 series, which is a big move. It's massive. And I listened to quite a long interview yesterday with Guy Samarinoff, who is the, the head of the PTO organization. Um, he was talking to the guys on Pro Tri News and that uh, went into quite a few details. And Pretty much, um, and there's lots of press releases coming out all over the place. And I thought, oh, we could get Sam Renouf on, but um, he's probably done about 10 podcasts by now. And there's probably about a 5 million uh, press releases that have gone out. But if you have been hiding under rock, it's going to be pretty amazing. And after listening to the interview, I was more excited about the whole shebang than I was beforehand, which was, I was still pretty excited because you talk you hear about game changes and things like this. And this really is a game changer for, for our sport in terms of long distance racing. Pretty much everything I speculated last week or suggested may happen hasn't come through in terms of venues, uh, so it's quite different to what I was uh, what I was thinking. But some of the things they have aligned with with events, which w- which would be pretty cool. So, so I suppose the first thing is let's break this down a little bit first. So, do we like or do you like the format? Do you like the way they set the whole structure up? Um, maybe we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk through the bullet points that I've got, and then we'll okay. do our analysis. Then, so people have a bit of a clue. Because some people, well, I'm pretty sure everyone will have heard about it, but they probably haven't looked into the the details. So first up, this is what I can ask you, Bevan. The name T100. Do you like it? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's good, and yeah. it's applicable to the distance of the race. It's T sounds a bit cool. You know, yeah. it sounds a bit Terminator like. Yeah. No, I actually really like it. Um, now, the reason they changed the name from being like the PTO series was, first thing was PTO, which I didn't know, in America is paid time off. 
Oh, so if, you, okay. if, if you do a Google search for like PTO series okay. or something like that or PTO, it's going to have all the stuff on paid time off. So that was the, the, one of their first reason for changing it. Second reason was age groupers can relate to it a lot more. Like if you're an age grouper and you want to go do these races, yeah. going to do the PTO, what does PTO stand for? Professional Triathlons Organization. You're not you're not a pro. Um, and so and interestingly with that, John, like for the longest time, you even when though you know they have age groupers at races, you kind of think, uh, even when they introduce new races, you kind of go, is there an age group component to it? Whereas now yeah. we know it's for both pros and age groupers yeah. as an overall. So, and and then the last one was it kind of, it does what it says on the tin. So you're racing hundred kilometers, very much like 70.3. What does 70.3 mean? 70.3 mile distance. So um, that, that was the reasons for, for the rebrand. Um, and what, one of the things that everyone has been critical of um, the PTO has been how long it's taken to come out with this, um, with this series. Uh, now, the reasons they said for that was it was critical for them to have separate age group and pro racing. Um, and by that, we're meaning, you know, the age group is probably racing in the morning and pro is probably racing in the afternoon or, or yeah, the evening. Okay, and that's a big criticism. Like when I think about the 70.3 worlds this year in Taupo or any other year, they send the pros off at first thing at like 6.30 in the morning or whatever time it might be. Usually, not always, but almost always. And like from a spectator's point of view, not going to get there all the athletes are racing you're not going to get to have them on the sidelines so that was a really key component for them so so uh, the, the idea is that the, the age groups will do the race first mm. and then the pros will race in the afternoon yeah prime time and you awesome. have all the age groups race you know and and I, i'm not sure if they're doing separate days but i think they are doing separate days as well so men on one day women on the other day i think it's really well like when we think of the implications of that for because one thing we've said about the pto races up to this point in time is the spectator size is pretty abysmal when we, you know, like the, you know, you look at the races, Ibiza looked okay, uh, mm. but some of the races, particularly two years ago, uh, were pretty small in regards to spectators. Whereas if you've got a massive, and if we can get the age group component built up, you've got a massive amount of age groupers racing. Sure, a lot of them won't go and watch because they've done their day, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of them will, especially if you've got all the rock stars here. And, and they, Sam Renouf acknowledged that, if they end up with races with zero spectators, this series isn't going to be around for for you know uh, for an infinite amount of time. Yeah. Um, so that was a really key reason why it took so long. Just the logistics when you've got to shut down roads for two full days, that's quite a big deal, and it took longer than what they anticipated. Uh, they wanted to make sure they had sort of really cool venues, you know, bucket list venues, you know, in terms of London and Singapore and um, Vegas and all that. So that was, uh, they didn't want to just go anywhere. Um, and then the third reason he said was that the Ironman Pro Series took them by a little bit of surprise, not in terms of that worried them about who they were going to be able to get because they were confident in who they could get. It was more a case of they didn't want to be having direct clashes with some of the key Ironman events, so they had to try to you know, figure that out and, and, and make it sort of blend into the season. So those are the reasons why it did take quite, quite a long time. That's a question um, for you, John, just on that. Over the World Championships, what, what key Ironman events are there now? Yeah, well, um, I, I think it would be interesting when we talk to pros that still want to do Pona or Nice um, is where they're going to qualify. And so I, don't, I haven't looked at the at clashes there, but you'd think they've got to do an Ironman somewhere. So, but, but when yeah, we think of the, like, the Iron... you know, like traditionally, it's, you know, Germany was always a massive event. Um, you know, 
where else is a massive event? You know, like when we think of traditionally, mm. you always had Kona, Germany, maybe, you know, and another two races around the world that were kind of key events within the season. Now, outside of the World Championships, even still, I'm sure Germany's still a big race, but it's not like it used to be. You know, if, you, if you're trying to manage the T100 series around the, the year, fitting in fine, man, you really only have to think about the World Championships, don't you? Pretty much, and yeah, and maybe Germany, and maybe Rote, not, that's obviously not Ironman, um, and then probably trying not to clash with, I guess, the regional championships directly. Um, but when you've got... But even they don't pull a great field. They don't pull a great field, but um, yeah, the, the pros are going to have to qualify somewhere if, if they want to be racing. So no, I agree. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with yeah. iron distance racing going forward. Um, with all these venues that they've signed up, they've got long-term plans. So all the, the contracts are sort of three to five years long. So, you know, they're really committed to to, to these venues. Um, the aim is to have 10 races. So this year there's going to be eight, and the aim is to get to 10. Um, and the rationale behind that is you need to create a narrative and a story that's going to last throughout a season. Um, and that's what the the broadcasters want. You know, when we look at things like Formula One or tennis or any other sport, you know, it's a season long event. If it's not consistent and you don't have regular racing, people are going to lose lose interest and, and just lose that momentum. Um, so that it, it was definitely noted and you, you see people's criticism on social media and stuff. There's no race in Oceania, for example, and they definitely acknowledge that. But yeah, that's just what it is this year. And there is a hope that there'll be a race in, in other regions that's spread around the world in, in sort of key venues. It was also the question was asked around um Las Vegas only being one rate one week before Kona. And obviously, um, if you're doing Kona, you're probably not going to be racing one week before before that race. Yep. However, you know, that doesn't mean to say you can't have an event there because a lot of the athletes won't be doing Kona, um, especially on the uh, the females, uh, the male side, you know, because it's one week after females, they will have done um, Nice. So, you know, they'll be good to go. What it's going to mean is um, you've only got to do uh, six out of the eight races. So you just go, well, I'm not going to do that one. Um, and so you have, to, you have to race in six to begin for the overall series. Yeah, so for, for the contracted athletes uh, have to do uh, five races plus a grand finale, so you have to do six, and that's so that we'll, we'll go into the the contracted yep. athletes later on. What I think it's going to mean is it's quite exciting because this will be post Olympics, and so when you have that race in Las Vegas, you might be bringing in a whole bunch of short course guys that are that are, and so I still think you can have a fantastic race. You just won't have the the Kona contenders there. So they did. They were really conscious. They didn't want to go on the same weekend as Kona because they wouldn't get any coverage, and they're not in a in a war with with uh, with Ironman. Um, but the, yeah, the rationale. There's only so many weeks in the year, and at venues like Vegas, there's only so many weeks you can have events because. It's a it's a you know, hot climate. You can't go and slap it smack bang in the middle of summer, and and they've got to think of their own series and how that's going to flow. So they were definitely conscious of that. It's not ideal, but there's only so many weeks in the year. So in terms of um, the scoring and how it's all going to work, it's endorsed and in, in partnership with World Triathlon. So whoever wins the series at the end can claim to be world tri world champion, and it's you know somewhat similar to. So basically what we see with World Triathlon with their, their short course series, you know, you see athletes racing head to head on a really regular basis. So yeah, um, to be 
in the end of year rankings, you have to have done five races as a minimum, and four of those races are scoring. So you can drop your worst result, or you know, you basically just go four four good point scoring races. If you do eight races, it's just your top four that are going to count, okay. and it's a really simple points and that, scoring and that system. Four has to include the grand final. Correct. So yeah. it's basically three uh, races. Uh, I don't know if it ha- you have to do the grand final, but if you bombed out the grand final. I don't think it has to include that, but the grand final will have bonus points and this point quite a bit more. So yeah. you don't necessarily. So have for example, to. if you if you win a normal race, you get thirty five points. For a grand final, you get fifty five points. So you yeah. can't see anyone winning it without doing the grand final, really, can you? Mm. But if you if you did win four other races and you bombed out in the grand final, you might have you, might, you might still be in in in, in the running. So yeah, thirty five points for first. It drops off um, reasonably. St- in a sort of a uh, exponential way, sort of drop off in terms of first is 35, second's 28, third's 25. But then when you get down to ninth, then it just drops off by um, by one point per place. Um, so in terms of the athletes, there's 40 athletes going to be lining up. Uh, as we said, they've got to do five races plus the grand final. There's an exemption there for Olympic athletes. They yep. have to do four instead of six because they'll be focused plus the on grand the final. Olympics. Plus the grand final. Um, and so basically they've contracted 20 athletes. Um, so 20 males, 20 females. And those athletes basically get first dibs on, on which races they want to do. So you might go, I want to do all eight races. You might want to do, I'm doing the minimum. Um, and then whatever's left over, the dregs, um, then they'll be filled up with wild cards at the PTO's discretion. That's not necessarily banked on rankings or anything like that. It's basically deciding who they think will add some spice to the particular event. So post-Olympics, you know, let's expect we're going to see some of the short course athletes stepping up and um, some athletes aren't in, aren't uh, included in this and we may see them pop in for, for one race or so. So who's in? Um, the first, the first 16 athletes were done via qualification on the rankings, but it's a little bit confusing. There was two particular cutoff dates. I think off the top of my head, one was October and one was maybe the end of year. So sometimes there might be a couple of examples where athletes not currently ranked uh, in the top 16 or whatever it is. They, they, may have, they may have been in October. So there's a few examples of that. But more or less, it's the top sort of 16 athletes are, are in. Um, then on the female side, they managed to get all of the top 15 athletes. So nobody turns down their slot, which is shows the power of the series, um, yeah. which I found very, very impressive. Um, and the, some couple of the interesting additions in there were Flora Duffy is, yep. uh, has signed on and Taylor Spivey, who's currently a short course athlete trying to make the Olympic team. Those two could spice things up a little bit as well. On the boys' side of it, um, almost got everybody as well. Um, the Just only ones Blumenf- that... Blumenfeld, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, the only ones out are Blumenfeld, which is... Not surprising. He wants to yep. win Kona and he wants to win the Olympics. Um, but I dare say we'll see him at one or two races because um, he'll be your first pick if you've got any any slots open. And then the other one, which also is not surprising, is Patrick Langer. You know, he's much better at long course. And so you totally understand that. But they got everybody else, which is bloody impressive. And it's interesting when you look at their hot shots because they've got two kind of older legends and then some up and comers. So you've got Gomez and Brownlee as two of the hot shots. 
And then I, Rick, Rico Bogan, I don't, I've never heard of him. <laughs> That's the thing, because he won the world 70.3 champs last year, and oh, nobody, heard of, nobody had heard of him before that. So he's a young fella, so that'll be an interesting one. And the other one, Martin Van Riel, is a very good Olympic distance athlete. So, yeah, is Browning Gomez going to be a factor? I don't know. Brownlee, he was leading for a period in the... They make the races interesting, don't they? Oh. And they bring a narrative and, and, and storyline. And it's brand, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest. You know, like Brownlee in particular, like Brownlee, well, made known because Gomi is in like in the Spanish part of the world. Um, you know, you, those are names you want at races. They're going to bring attention. Mm. And so there are a couple of other names that are missing um, that didn't get slots were Lionel Sanders because he, he's a long way down the rankings. So I don't know what he would have done, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him popping into a few of the American races if he can get in. And Gustav Eden, who doesn't have a current ranking because he was just Harvey race last year and if he did he was very very poor um and I dare say that he'll get a, a hot shot invite as well if he wants one um when we know if he's in the Olympic team uh I'm pretty sure we can basically write Gustav Eden off from the Olympics he's yeah I'm almost positive he's not going so it's interesting he he kind of is it on that list already mm, I think he's still really struggling um so maybe he got an invite as a hot shot don't know, but um, you'd have to assume so, wouldn't you? You would assume so, but I yeah, think because because like you know, like maybe this year he hasn't. In the last twelve months, he hasn't been at the level we expect of him. But he's one of the greatest players in the game right now. Yeah. So, but I think he just needs to get back in the game. That's his. You know, it's not like this year is is make or break for him. He's just got to get back on the horse and get well, back. Doing with, regards to the contracts, John, um, do we know what their base salary is? No, but there's a, it's basically the way the money is spread across the series is $7 million. So $3 million of that is in contracts. $2 million is in, in a bonus prize pool and $250,000 per race. So I'm sure the contracts are, are scaled in a way that if you're a, you know, in the top five, you probably get a bit more. Five through 10, get a little bit less and, and so on, I imagine. Whether well, or not if we just divide it by 40 people, they're getting 75k each. Mm. If you just did a, a, an even split, but it, you know, obviously it's probably so, got to be more of a ranking based system. But so you're probably you know. thinking the lower ranking may be getting 50 and the higher yeah. ranking may be getting 100, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not chump change in the world of triathlon. For, for well, a lot of if that's your base salary for a year, that's a good place to start the year with, isn't it? Yeah. So you, you know, know, you're thinking maybe the worst place athlete might come away with 100k. I don't know. That's just a guess. And 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 one of the questions I'm going to have for some of the pro athletes: Do you also get all your travel and accommodation covered and things like that? If that's covered, then then you're on, starting to get onto a, a pretty good uh, pretty good wicket. So what else did uh, I hear from Sam Renouf? Um, yeah, uh, they're, they're so aware that they need to make this as much about the mid-packers and the backpackers as it is about the, the guys that are winning the races. So we're going to see, you know, the drive to survive type thing. Like when, when I watch drive to survive, I am genuinely interested in who's finishing mid-pack. I actually don't really care who wins because it's always the same one. Yeah. Um, when I go and watch a Formula One, I want to know how my favorites that are, you know, eighth, ninth and tenth, how they're going, who's at the back of the pack. So they're, they're extremely aware of that. And so we, you know, you said, don't know who Rico Bogan is, who's one of the hot shots, guarantee at the end of the series you're going to know who he is yeah. and you're going to know where he's from and there'll be a little story on him. So you're really going to get to know the athletes a lot better, which Ironman have pretty much never done. You do a little bit around 
Ironman, you know, world champs and stuff. But, uh, you know, as a narrative through the season, they don't do that. So that's really cool. Well, um, even the world champs, let's be honest, it, it's very rare they go to the back in the middle of the field. Mm. As, uh, you know, you only know someone who went to the, who was faster on the bike and gets past on the run. Mm. Yeah. You know, when we think about their coverage. Uh, a couple of other things you're really conscious of is they don't want this to become a closed league, which is a real danger of it. And they definitely acknowledge that. And by a closed league, you're talking once you're in, Yes, sweet. Yeah. You know, because because these these races are going to be the highest level point scoring events. Yeah. So most of these athletes, you'd think at the end of the season, are going to have very high rankings, and there's you can't get just get in there. You know, it's not. Um, so so well, they, they talk about how they're going to overcome that because that's that's a huge. Let's say you're a thirty athlete, number thirty, and look, you can't do these eight races. Let's say you do five races to get your qualification. You know. You're missing out on the opportunity to do the racing where you can get the points, and then mm. all the other races in the world don't necessarily, especially like especially for the person who's not a great Ironman. Mm. Because if you're not a great Ironman, then what do you got? Seventy point three world champs. Yeah. What other races have you got that are really high scoring points at that level? They're going to get you up to this level. Yeah, no, and, and they definitely acknowledge that, and that's going to be a work in progress. It's kind of hard to know how it's going to pan out, but if you were that athlete that you just mentioned that's an up-and-comer they want to focus on that you know 70.3 half Ironman distance they're going to need to go to the biggest races they can so we're thinking basically doing the Ironman series and go to all the good 70.3s like Oceanside you basically have to pick the events that have the biggest prize money and are going to have the strongest field um, so there's two there's two things around this first of all uh that actually works to Ironman's advantage hmm. because there's 70.3s Let's say you are going to say Oceanside, 70.3 World Champs, they're going to get better fields mm-hmm. of the second tier athlete at least. Do do we do we think about a bit like the Premier League? Like each year the top five, the bottom five athletes get dropped. Oh yeah, that, no, that's definitely like the the way that it says for 2025, but I th- which is still slightly evolving, is the top 10 athletes are going to go through. Um and 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 with well, top 10 top 10 ranked athletes on the PTO rankings will get you know, the automatic slots, and then you again, you'll have the hot shots, and then I'm not sure what's happening with the other five. But no, but so, what I mean here is because, like, it might be really hard to get the same. You might, let's say, you're 14, you're the 16th athlete at the end of the season, but you're still above anyone who did 70 point three races just because yes. you've got the opportunity. So we kind of say at the end of each year, if you're not in the top mm-hmm. 15, you don't actually get to come back next year. Yeah. And then the top five from outside of that world get yeah. to come up. And so it kind of creates that relegation. So, and it also makes it interesting, a bit like the Premier League. Like one of the problems with like a lot of leagues around the world is if you get last, who cares? Whereas the Premier League is a really interesting sport because you're fascinated about the winners, but you're also fascinated who's going to drop off at the bottom. Mm. So if we know that if you get 16th in the ranking at the year, even if you've got more points than someone did 70.3, you're dropping out of the league. That Mm. keeps it interesting as well. Totally. Yeah. No, you're you're fighting for your contract. Um, Yeah. So yeah, no, they're very aware of that. They don't have the exact answers for it, but uh, they want to make it an open league. And we've also got to remember that they're not at war with Iron Man when they do this. They want Iron Man so, to do yeah. well. And if I uh, yes, yes and no, but they're not trying to clash with some of some of their key key events. So it might end up that the Iron Man series is, as you said, the breeding ground for the athletes that want to try to get in there. No, no, so, it is, but because it's the wrong kind of race. The seventy point three series, no seventy point three series. Oh, yeah, sorry, not, yeah. not Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple of other things they said. Drug testing got asked about. Um, they're going to be bringing in uh, world triathlon sort of protocols around that, so they'll be in and out 
in and out of competition testing, which is great. And there'll also be testing of people in that next rung down, which aren't necessarily on the series, but could be further down the track. So obviously make sure they're not trying to cheat their way to the top. The broadcasting is going to be similar to what we've seen in the past. So they've obviously got broadcast contracts with um, a bunch of providers. Um, if you're in any dark zones like we we are, I think, in New Zealand, is then you'll be able to watch it through the PTO platform. So basically, I, from memory last year, that's going to mean you need to probably watch it on Eurosport if you're in Europe. I don't know what the deal is in America, but I'm sure there'll be some moaning and groaning from some people that have to um, sign up to some sort of platform to be able to watch it. Um, and age group racing at every every race that you go to. Um, and you've so, yeah, so I looked at the costs. So the costs, they are the same for every race. But in Singapore, it worked out to be about $360 US for an age group race. Hmm. Which is probably what you pay for 7.3 now. It'd be something along those lines. Yeah. 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 So, so look, um, overall, what do we think of the series? Geez, I don't think they could have done too much more. There's, there is quite a few unknowns in there, you know, as we said about the rankings and how it's going to work for the following year. Um, they're not going to get it right at every race this year. That They've combined with some, oh, in terms of the venues and, and what have you, um, it's kicking off in a couple of weeks' time, which is pretty, uh, pretty amazing to think. Um, first race is going to be in Miami at the Clash Endurance Race. So, Automatically, you've got higher a crowd there because um, you've got uh, you know an existing race that's going on, so that's kind of cool. That's the eighth and tenth of March, so basically a month away, which is cool. Yeah. Singapore, that's an established event. They got a massive turnout last year um, from from age group as well, so that should go really well. And we know the the course there, and then you're going to start to go to the different venues. So they've got an unannounced race in California. They haven't got the venue. Um, confirmed for that but that's going to be at some stage between sort of April May or June um, because then the next one is going to be at the Docklands um, where they've taken over the challenge race there so that's in, in London so that's again already an established event so you've got that automatic crowd there then you're going to Ibiza um, so you've got quite a window there you've got August and most of September where there's no racing and so that's then the opportunity for I guess people doing long course to go off and race um, uh, and then from September in Ibiza then you're going across to Vegas in October Dubai in November and then a grand finale in late November which sounds like it's going to be somewhere in the Middle East so you go from Dubai you probably stay out there for a couple of weeks and I don't know if you're a betting man are you going to say it's in Saudi probably <laughs> or somewhere yeah. along those lines which that, that's a probably one disappointing thing for me is um, those end of season races. Traditionally, when you have a race in Dubai, uh, in terms of a short course, like a world triathlon race, the crowds are really, really poor for at least it looks like they're really, really poor. Um, and if they're going to finish in Saudi, which, you know, you're just following the money train um, again, the, I imagine the course might be pretty sucky and also, no crowd. So that's and, probably and, the one disappointment for me. And how many participants would they get there? You know, like you think of, you, you look at some of the locations, okay? So you know Singapore is going to be big. You know London's going to be big. Yeah, you know, you imagine California's going to be big. I don't know about Miami. Um, Ibiza should be big. Vegas, maybe. I don't know about the American races because it's it's a bit hit and miss in America, isn't it? Um, and, but, and it's it's late. So people, have, a lot of people have already made this their, their plans. But the Miami race is happening anyway. It's yep. probably that California one. If they're not combining that with an existing event, that might be a bit of a fizzer. Vegas is probably far enough out that people are going, um, 
you know, I have I haven't got an end of season race. I might go and do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the venues work and how it all works overall. Okay, so John, so let's let's take a kind of a step back and think of good things, bad things. So as you look at this, what do you see as what are the positives? Uh, well, the things that you sort of worried about a little bit, and we've probably discussed a bit, was were they going to get the quality athletes? So the good things are they've got just about all the athletes, and yep. and of the athletes they haven't got you're thinking they might pop up from from time to time and you can understand why they're not there. And it's not because they probably don't believe in the series. It's because they just had some different priorities for this year. So I think that's uh, the the venues are really cool. Um, they've got good fields. Uh, I think they're tacked on in most circumstances to races. So they should have a, a good number of people watching. So those would be the positives. As I said, a negative for me is... Those end of season races might be a bit of a fizzer in terms of the the crowds, and I guess the only other thing would be when they get to ten races, is ten too many or not? It's just different. I'm just thinking, will I get some uh, some fatigue in terms of watching it if we have the same winner every time? Um, I don't know. That's probably the only downside. Is ten going to be too much? But man, they've just ticked so many boxes. Um, I think it's going to be really, it's really going to change the face of, yeah, long course racing. Well, I think it's also interesting is, is what does the the product look like to the everyday consumer? So, you know, we look at the triathlon market. So what would be really, there's kind of a couple of questions I'm interested to see. Uh, I think the racing is going to be pretty cool. You know, for us triathlete fans, we're going to absolutely love it. Um it'll be just really fascinating to see the age group fields and it'll be, maybe we should do a discussion a week around this, you know, like, are you willing to invest to actually do one of these races this year? Uh, because for like, obviously people in Australasia, it's, it, you know, Oceania, it's not going to happen. Um, but if you're in America, are you going, you know what? I definitely want to get to this race or one of these races. If you're in London, are you going to, or if you're in the UK or even just somewhere in Europe, are you going to you're going to really jump over to Spain and the UK, something like that? Um, secondly, will the product be a product that can actually get a bigger audience? You know, because we've always said that long course is a really hard thing to get people to watch. But if you do it as a way, as you say, John, as a bit more of a Netflix series, where post the race, you're actually putting on a pretty cool packaged product. Maybe you can kind of start to build those stories. Um, and, and, and I actually think, because you kind of buried the lead a little bit here, Lucy Charles, and I'll get a little bit ahead of myself, but she's no longer going to defend her title for Nice this year. Now, that is huge huge you know so lucy charles we all know she i think it was four times second place in kona um finally wins it this year and she came out sometime in the last moment of time and said i'm not going to race in this this year because i want to focus on the t100 series and she's been it's been very controversial some people have been quite abusive and if you oh, really <laughs> yeah yeah like get a life um yeah. but that is huge yeah, that that's a massive statement because you if you no one would put any money on saying hey Lucy Charles won't do the Ironman World Championships next year. Uh, there's slightly two parts to that is I, I you definitely she's prioritised the PTO racing. Her cycling is so poor in terms of her cycling skills that she would have lost so much time uh, on the bike ride in Nice that I think that would have. It would have been very interesting if they'd been racing Kona this year, if she'd made the same decision. Um, Still and, a fascinating call. To not get the defending champion call. turning up. Mm, you yeah. know, like Ironman must have, surely they must have given her a call and said, come on, please turn up. 
<laughs> like it's yeah. it's not a good you know look, we think of Ironman's golden ticket for pros it's still that that prestige of the Ironman World Championship to mm. not get her turn up yeah you know like that's that's mind blowing yeah it would be um, interesting yeah I just think it would be really really interesting if it had been Kona uh, and not Nice because I think that would have had a pretty big contributing factor is her biking is is really quite poor in terms of her skills she's a beast don't get me wrong like she she rode away from everybody in Kona but we've seen her skills are not that great so yeah and i think it's an it's amazing call and good on her she's you know she's done this before she tried to make make it a short course um and she did some really really good results really improved her running she was competitive uh there didn't make it if she was in any other country she'd be off to the olympics um so yeah very interesting call but it just goes to show you know um when she puts she she sort of ticked that box and she's still young enough that she can go back and and win more Kona titles she might go you know for one year I'm going to forego it and by doing the series it may actually help my Ironman racing because I'll probably get faster um at the short stuff and let's see if that rolls over to to long course racing okay so let's let's break this down a couple more steps what does it mean for pros as an overall so like, like we think of Joe Skipper, we think of those guys. What does it mean for them? Well, for the guys that are in, you've got a guaranteed paycheck and it's prob- probably for almost all of them, probably not the top few. It's probably not going to make that big a difference to your, to your overall packet. Like I'm thinking of Daniela Reef, if she's winning Kona and winning 70.3 worlds in a season, is racing on this going to mean she's in a better position? I don't know, maybe a little bit. But um, for the for the guys ranked sort of ten through twenty, you got guaranteed income. You can focus one hundred percent on training and try to take it to the next level. So for them, it's great for the development of the sport. You can see the pathway when you get in there. For the guys that aren't in, yeah, it kind of sucks. You know, if you're someone like a Joe Skipper, a Braden Curry, or Patrick Langer who's decided to stick to long course, you can look at it two ways. You go, oh, I'm missing out on all that money, but at the same time, there's probably going to be more opportunities for you in the Ironman world. Ironman racing probably just got a little bit easier um, and you, you're just going to get more coverage in the Ironman market in terms of, you know, from, from a sponsor's point of view, I think it's going to take a while for the general Ironman public to sort of jump on board with this. And so if you're a um, Lionel Sanders, you might get more coverage now in the Ironman world because you're not doing this, the series. So I think there's pros and cons kind of, what, what approach you want to take to it but i'm sure there'll be some moaning and groaning the people you really feel for are those ones that just miss out on getting into this series yeah. and that is a massive difference if you're a middle course specialist so and the other thing to, to acknowledge is um if if pto are they, what are they actually called now are they still the yeah, pto no, pto is going to be the yeah, organization okay. so so the, if the pto can do a good job of making this a, a broader market product then also sponsorship dollar because Ironman have never looked after the pros. Mm. And so while there is sponsorship dollar in the pro world, it's it's very much people you know or triathlon products, mm-hmm. you know, re- really. Or you might get the occasional rich guy who sponsors a team. Whereas if, let's say, and, and this is big picture thinking, but let's say they do get a Netflix series, suddenly, you you know, getting on the top of it, you know, suddenly you're going to get big brands, you know, it's going to be a much bigger sponsorship dollar that will be going to the athletes which would be massive paydays on that front as well. Mm. I'll be interested further down the track, and this is going to be a question I'll put to pros, is 
whether we get to a place where it becomes a bit like Super League, where you're all wearing a similar type uniform or something along those lines, um, and you have sponsors for the series, and so you're you're kind of looking the same or wearing a similar type uniform. Whereas at the moment, you know, when you do these races, it's a real mix match of everybody's just got got their own uniform, which is which is a good and bad thing. Um, but that could be an angle we go down further down the track. Now, with um, do you think this hurts Ironman age group racing? Ironman age group racing. You know, it's really interesting because we look at Ironman and, and, and I don't know the overall figures of Ironman participation in the world. Um, I do know Ironman New Zealand's not what it used to be. Um, there was a moment when Ironman New Zealand sold out. Uh, and I, the numbers, do you know the numbers for Ironman New Zealand nowadays? Uh, I think it's pretty it's pretty reasonable, but they have a seventy point three on the same day now. But but yeah. the general general trend with numbers is they're they're sort of going down at a at a sort of slowish rate, but they're certainly not going up in many markets. It's just that we think of life today, and I don't want to sound like the guy when I was younger kind of guy, but uh, time seems to be more precious nowadays. So mm-hmm. an Ironman commitment is is a huge thing. Uh, a T one hundred is a more applicable goal for an everyday still a pretty big challenge but you know what i mean like it fits more into life and because it's not under the ironman brand if the t100 becomes its own thing does that hurt age group racing or is there not enough races for it to really matter uh i think it's going to hurt age group racing uh i think we we well, iron man at least if you know what yeah, I mean. oh, definitely going to hurt iron man um i just think if i put it if i was an age group athlete, well i am an age group athlete these days and i'm a fan of the sport if you're picking between two races, you go into one of these T100 races. If I can sit, if I can do my race in the morning and kick back and watch a high quality field in the afternoon, I'm thinking that is a million times better than going to a race where you might see the pros racing around at six o'clock in the morning and you're out on the course, you know, after them. But it'd be a pretty cool day out to watch the best of the world, not just a two or three and a bit of a, a bit of a nothing race really close racing so i think in that regard uh if i was if one of these races was in in, in our area and i was planning on racing it's just a no-brainer definitely go and do this okay here's a question for you i've got two more questions and i'll let you move on but um 7.3 champs are in tour pole this year if there was the same race at one of these races in let's say brisbane Mm. at the same time and you were wanting to race a race of that distance which would you choose uh, I would if I was doing the whole series, I'd do the two. No, no, just just series. as an age grouper, one race oh, this year. Age grouper. Uh, I don't know. It'd probably just come down to I'd probably do the world champs because then that's going to be probably be a better age group race at this stage because it's a championship event. If it was just a seventy point three, then it's a slightly different story. So, and then I'd, lastly, I'd this. does this kill the seventy point three world champs? No, because this, it flows into it. It depend. It will depend on the dates. Because yeah, the but grand how final, many of these guys are going to do another race after the this is finished? Oh, they'll, they'll keep racing. Those guys are bloody racing like Trojans. You may because remember, you don't have to do every race. But if you're doing the grand final on the thirtieth of November, the Ironman World Champs, a seventy point three World Champs, I think will be three weeks after that, or maybe two weeks after that. So I think you'll see a lot of them roll over and do it. But again, they're going to have to go on and qualify somewhere, so they've got to slot another race in. Yet the question probably is, how many races of this distance do you want to be doing in a season? Um, yeah. And you've got to do five. Um, you've got to do six. 
and then you probably got to do another one to qualify for the 70.3 worlds 70.3 worlds that's eight plus you're probably going to have a few other races like um yeah just got to athlete longevity is going to be interesting if we look at uh let me just pull up an athlete who did quite a bit of racing uh, while you're doing that, I've just looked. The prize money for seventy point three world champs is they it's three hundred fifty thousand across the field. So the winner takes home uh, the strongest competitor of the day managed to take home fifty thousand dollars. So it's a little bit more than one of these races. Yeah, you know, not necessarily. Yeah, so so it's still incentive wise worth going to. If I look at the someone who probably raced quite a few times oh come on no come on come on uh athlete rankings woman and if we look at someone like an ashley gentle how many races she did last season yeah she did one two three four five six seven eight she did eight races. She may have done some other races, but she basically did eight races last season. Of what distances? All similar? All 70.3s um, okay. or that distance. Uh, and the season four, she did pretty pretty similar. So, you know, for someone like her, her racing schedule, probably going to look somewhat similar. Okay. So, yeah. So, so yeah. It's, uh, I'm just really interested in the impact it has on Ironman. You know, mm -hmm. like um, Ironman have never looked after the relationship with the pros. Uh, they're desperately kind of trying to bring some money to the game right now, which is good but it's a bit of an afterthought. And they also haven't built their relationships. They've always been very kind of, we look after ourselves, not necessarily look after the whole, even their relationship with the World Triathlon Organization Association, what's mm. it called? The, yeah. Will, um, yeah. It's never been great. Mm. You know, they've, they've tried to mean the boats as time's gone on, but yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated what it means for the sport. Like what does this mean for the sport 15, 20 years from now? Mm. No, this will be, this will be, this will be the shit. This will be yeah. where it's all at. Yeah, you'll, you'll well, still have the world champs, the Ironman distance, and you'll still have some really key Ironman races. But um, this will be uh, what people are watching. Because the, the, the PTO doesn't necessarily have, other than the big funder, there's not a major sponsor on them, is there? Not at this stage, no, no. no but because so, um, so. like, the other question we haven't asked is, is it viable long term? Uh, I think they've got very deep pockets. So you know, in terms of how long it's going to take, uh, that they've got quite a long runway. But, you know, I think, you know, three to five years time, it's going to need to be generating some income. But I think they've got investors who are not stupid people uh, who are looking at this as an investment, not just a bloody philanthropic uh, venture. Last question. Do you think they'll actually end up doing the T100 series races for age groupers outside of the pro races? No. No, they're, 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 they're a professional organisation. For, for, they're an organisation for the... Pro athletes, so it's pro athletes first. Everything else sort of falls in behind. Okay, cool. Okay, anything else to add to that? I think I've asked a million no, questions. You have, um, and you were talking about Ironman and their direction and where the hell they're going. They've got a new CEO, a guy called Scott DeRue. Um, he was former president of Equinox Fitness. Uh, it's a whole bunch of fitness clubs. And he, what's interesting, he's also an ultra runner, runner like a pretty serious ultra runner who's accomplished uh, and, and mountaineer. He's done six of the seven summits, Everest, Denali, Erebus, uh, Vison, and Cugnera, I don't know where that one is, and Kilimanjaro. Uh, and he recently completed the Gobi March, a week-long 155-mile foot race through uh, central Mongolia. So quite interesting that um, they've basically got an ultra runner in there to, to run the organization. And we talked last week about 
yeah, Iron Man owns uh, the UTMB series. Um, so yeah, he's probably got a pretty big passion in that area. So yeah, new new man at the top, and um, so I don't if, think if, it's going to change the direction massively of the business. But you know, there'll be some some tweaks, I imagine. And uh, yeah, it's just going to be an interesting time for them. Well, he he Equinox. If you don't know much about Equinox, is a very very high end gym chain in America. It might be worldwide right. now, but but like high end, and it really yeah. loves the selling. It really loves selling. The beautiful people, like the gym industry, is pretty good at selling the beautiful people. And then, no, here's the gym industry, and then there's Equinox on top of that, yeah, and it's, really? it's yeah, yeah, god, yeah, and and like they, I can't remember what their prices were, but I remember when they first came out, and I was like, <laughs> oh my god, you know, like, but it's very elite, elite, elite gyms, so yeah, um, very yeah, and so he's, I don't know how, how he's always obviously been successful enough to get onto this role, but you yeah. know, they're very successful business brand at least yeah, um cool. with Tasmania 70.3 happened over the weekend just give us the winners of that as john uh chelsea sodaro uh got back in the winner's circle winning by five minutes and nick thompson on the boys side just a couple of other interesting points it did rain over there and uh braden curry crashed <laughs> i had this i've never had this experience before bevan so i got, got a new garmin bike computer uh, this time last year and for some reason, recently I got a new no, I got a new Garmin watch as well, and uh, and they don't sponsor me by the way. Um, and there's an incident detection, yeah, there's an inter- incident detection system. And I was biking oh. along on Sunday morning in uh, in the dark and hit a pothole, and it must have detected that I had crashed. And and so when when you when this happens, it can send a a, a message off to whoever you have listed in there saying this person's crashed. Blah blah. And I've never seen this before. My bike computer's like beeping, going SOS, SOS, blah, blah, blah. blah. And, and it's about to send a message to Belinda at, you know, six o'clock in the morning. I'm like hitting all the buttons trying to get it to stop. And uh, and I managed to get it to stop just before, like a second before it was about to send Belinda a message. But apparently, uh, in the rain over there, it was treacherous in Tasmania on the bike. Oh, really? And Braden Curry crashed. And then apparently, uh, this is, I heard the second hand, he was back on his bike and he had the same bloody SOS detection thing going oh. on, off on his bike. <laughs> and while he, while he was trying to turn it off, then he crashed again. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and so we should be laughing. That's misfortune. But he, no, he, no, but, 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 but and Javier Gomez apparently had another uh, bike mechanical, he had bike mechanical in New Zealand and uh, Tauranga a few weeks ago and had another bike mechanical. So time for him to get his shit sorted out and get his bike sorted. Okay, we've got one other piece of news. And the challenge wrote, there's a guy called Jonas, is it Deechman? Uh, aims to set the world record for the most iron distance races in, in a row. So he's going to do, he's going to do, is he doing the challenge wrote course for 120 days in a row? Swimming a 3.8, bike, 42Ks on the run, and every day for four months. So he starts his project on the 9th of May, and then will complete the entire long-distance race every day until he completes it on the 9th of September. A total of 456Ks of swimming, 21,000Ks on the bike, and then 5,063Ks of running with the new world record. Now, obviously, he's probably going to do it on the race day as well, surely. Yeah, he has to, Yeah, because that'll be in uh, July. You, you think you would have, I suppose, season-wise, but it would have been nice to finish it on that day. It would. You'd have to start pretty early to, to yeah. do that. But, uh, yeah, we're just going to see more and more of these challenges. You know, obviously, we spoke to the guy over in the UK who did, uh, I don't know how many he ended up doing, but he broke, broke um, Iron Cowboys. Iron Cowboys record. We've seen Iron Cowboy do it. And so we know it can be done, and it's just a matter of getting into a routine and 
not getting injured, you know, and and definitely going a few going through a few hurdles. But um, when you're going that long, you have to be of reasonable ability to be able to actually do them quick enough to get enough recovery so you can go the next day. I'm kind of curious to see what the long term implication on your body is. It's not good, so, Bevan. I can tell you that. you don't need to ponder that one. It's going to be shit. <laughs> Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> so if you if you want to save your body for the long term, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this weekend we've got the coast coast coming up. Uh, we have to talk about this race. It's an iconic New Zealand race where the athletes, and at least in the longest day, start on the west coast of New Zealand and race across to the east coast all in one day. Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk too much about the field. No. Have you looked at the field? No, no it's, it's sort of same old. People people won't have heard them, but it's just sort of worth mention because it's a cool race. Ever want to get out of your comfort zone and try something different? Pop over our direction and do the coast to coast. Yeah, it's 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 definitely you got to learn your kayak skills. But I tell you what, it is worth doing. So, uh, John, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion was pick one iron distance race you'd love to do outside of Kona or Nice this, or not even just year. There's just any time in your life. We've got a lot of responses to this one. Did uh, so. We had a whole bunch of who said the Lakesman, which is up in uh, the UK, and I think they've discontinued their long course one. They're definitely doing a, or not doing it every year, but they have a fantastic part of the country. So the Lakesman in the UK, a lot of people are saying. Joe, Joe Banks has haven't heard that name in a while. Good old, uh, she said, Ironman New Zealand. Mm. Uh, Lakesman's getting a lot of love on here. Um, what else? Cozumel, um, Ben Shaw says Cozumel, I need some redemption. Uh, Christine McKinley's got St. George if they made it full distance again. That was a killer race. They only ever did it once, I think, and it snowed. Well, they only did it a couple of times, but very hilly course. Um, but, well, yeah, it's good to have a few of them on the calendar. Michael Good says Austria, great race venue, great course, great support. Well, Newbury's got Patagonia, man. That'd be a cool race, wouldn't it? It would. So that's more of your your sort of ex-adventure yep, type race where you're yep. self-supported. I don't know. Those self-supported ones... Don't rock my boat. You can kind of, I don't know. There, there, do there, there's, some, there's some cool venues, so that's for sure. But that's, that's more of an adventure, isn't it? Mm, mm, you're not you racing know. as such. Yeah. Um, Petra Acker says, Nice for me. Love that part of France and the historic race. E. Hawkins, Hawkins has got Wales, so friends and family could come and watch. Yeah. Wales looks like a very cool race. Philip van der Lewis is definitely Norseman, the ultimate bucket list race. We have had a few that have said Norseman. Uh, Bicky May's got Copenhagen. It's flat. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin Smitzler, definitely got one of my ones that I want to go and do is uh, Lanzarote, or he says South Africa. Good old Ian Banks is a wise man. He's got as a racecation. Never heard that word before, but I like it. Yes. Uh, I'd love to be in New Zealand on the other side of the world and maybe get a chance to meet Evan and John. Quite a few people have said I'm of Austria. So I'm assuming they're talking Ironman Austria. So Sean Buchner and David Jackson say Austria. Austria all the way. The swimmers like swimming in Evian. The bike is scenic and the run is atmospheric. Great support. And it's really pretty around Klagenfurt. So Klagenfurt is definitely where... Uh, where they have that race. Good old uh, Anna Lee Brown has got Ken's. She can visit my daughter. 
Okay, okay. Uh, is it my daughter? You know, she might get a, yes, he- yes. a cheer thrown at her head. Cheer <laughs> thrown. Last one I'll do is Marcus Aronson. He says Sweden in Kalmar. Been racing there four times and is a spectator two times. I love to race there again. The crowd is amazing. In Kalmar, athletes get treated to a small city, big heart vibe as they compete in a beautiful Swedish country with a seaside charm. Everyone in the neighborhood shows up to cheer for the athletes all day long and marvel of the Scandinavian landscapes on display at every turn so it sounds like a, a rote type experience Roda, Ricardo Carvalho has got multi-sport Portugal so it's in Portugal beautiful and fast race for pros and beginners great atmosphere and great support crew John I know you've already got a question in here but maybe we should ask the question um, and you could decide is would you do a, one of the T100s this year Are yeah. you, you know would you commit to you come up with some wording along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that would be cool. So, yeah, would you go and, and, do... and not, not in the future. Like, are you, would you really, are you going to commit to maybe doing one of the T100s this year? And if so, why or why not? Mm. Mm. Uh, Bevan, anywhere, any bucket list races uh, that you'd like to go and do? Uh, if I were to do it, see, I'm different to you. I think I would want to do like a Norseman. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I was going to come back and do long course again, I'd want to, you know, I've done Ironman, I've been there, done that, you know, I'm not quite sure. And I'm not getting faster again. I don't know if it's really, well, to chase that's just too much effort for this moment in my life. Um, and so I think the idea of maybe doing something that's more just a cool, crazy adventure would be more appealing to me. So, and I've had the the road, I've had the Kona, I've, you know, I've done, so those types of races, I, I just think I'd be going back to what I already know. Whereas I think if I'm going to try to do a long course, I'll go and do something that's a bit more adventurous. That or even just like a really awesome exterior race. Now, you know, so I'm not quite sure which ones would be the most amazing ones, but a Norseman, you know, something that's just a little bit EG, a little bit different where it creates a different type of challenge. Yeah. I've probably got three that come to mind quickly. Um, would One would be Nice. I'd love to do Nice. Second one would be Lanzarote. And third one would probably be uh, Ombre Man, which is a sort of a, a mountainous iron distance race in France. The, if the, if there was one like that in Italy, I'd probably give that a crack as well. Um, so those would be my three: Nice, Lanzarote, and Ombre Man. I do have a question for you. Uh, full of would you want Nice to be today, the woman? Was that? Mate, I'm You're always, full of a lot I'm, of questions today. I'm curious, soul. I'm a curious soul. Yeah. So. Nice World Championships or just Nice? Wouldn't don't really care. I mean, if if the price was the same, I'd probably want to go to World Champs, obviously. Um, yep. but I'd be price dependent, and if uh, there's no way I'm paying twice the price to go to a World Championships, if I could get in for seven fifty as opposed to fifteen hundred, then I would pay the seven fifty. Do you ever see yourself aiming for World Champs again? Um, I definitely want to do Kona again, uh, and. Yeah, so I guess the answer would be yes. Not so much for the where I finish, more just ticking that bloody challenge off and doing doing myself justice in that race. So 50-54 age group, look out when I come in your way in watch a few, few years' time. <laughs> 60 to 65 age group, watch yeah. out. I do have a question, John. I don't think we need to probably do the, the pros. I think we can go to your segment because okay. that we're going time-wise. Yep, uh, sounds good. Hopefully I've pressed that record button. Yes, uh, the record button is still going. Yeah, I'm charge today. Okay, coaches, Connor. Oh, 
Okay, so we've got a question here through from Skip Slade, and he's got, I'm a bit behind on the podcast, but I just listened to the part of last year's 2023-905. I look forward to the Gordo Burns interview. I enjoyed hearing about John's 2005 article. I was wondering about what John's take on long now on long runs. He said in the article that his longest run was 2.45 and we're mainly in the 2.15-ish area. What does he think now? Does he think... Uh, does his thinking vary depending on the athlete's speed, ability level, age of the athlete? Love your work. So so at that time, if, if you remember back in a few episodes ago, John had written an article, I think it was like the top 10 tips to becoming a sub-9 athlete or something. It, it was it was um, after we'd done Ironman New Zealand and I'd finished yeah. in 10th place. I think that was 2004 or 2005. 2000, 2005, I think it was. Okay. And it was kind of just an overview you had a good title. How do we get from age group to top pro or something like that? It was a good, it was a good, good hook. Um, yeah. And so Skip was saying at that time you recommended longest runs at this stage. Just has has this evolved? Yeah, and so it, de- it definitely has. Most of the stuff that I'd written in that article still holds true, um, but my attitude around the long run has probably varied with you know twenty years of coaching experience. So um, yeah, so I think in that article I said my longest run was two hours forty five. And from memory, most of my other long runs are around about two hours. Um now back then I was a lot younger and I was coming off quite a long period of racing at a short course level. So my running was a lot quicker as well and I was probably a lot more durable than what I was back then so I guess to answer your question Skip yes my attitude has changed a little bit and I don't have a perfect answer for you in terms of what you should and shouldn't be doing but in terms of my coaching approach these days is very personalized on the the individual so in general longer is better so if you're a durable person um, if you're resistant to injury and so on then I would be encouraging people to I've got a bug flying in front of me Bevan oh, um, no, man. <laughs> uh, it's putting me off um, I would be saying you're trying to go longer so by that I'm talking you know in that three to three and a half hour range if you can handle that in my experience most age groupers can't handle that um, for a variety of reasons so what you need to be factoring in if skip of your coaching and also for people who are self-coached is your resistance to injury if a threat doing a three to three and a half hour run is going to cause you to get injured you're better off being underdone and then, then going into a race or getting injured quick, uh, you know, fairly regularly. Second factor I, I sort of weigh up is the recovery rate of um, the individual. So some athletes can go and run for three and a half hours and be fine. And, you know, sure, it might take them a day or two to recover properly to be able to do a next quality session. For other athletes, you go and do a long run. They might be resistant to not getting the injuries, but that might wipe them out for four, five, six days in terms of being able to do any constructive training. So you've got to just weigh that up into the whole scheme of things. Next thing I factor in is what that athlete's goals are, um, whether they're trying to run really fast um, and do like a close to a three-hour marathon or whether they're just happy to be chugging through the run at not a very high intensity and it's much more about um, finishing. Next thing I weigh in is that athletes' um, particular weaknesses and in terms of getting them from A to B as quickly as possible. If they're relatively new to cycling, I'm going, I'm going to focus a hell of a lot more of my effort on their cycling rather than worrying about doing three hour plus runs. If they're at the other end of the spectrum and they're a really accomplished cyclist and we know that the run is going to be where they gain or lose a lot of time, 
then I'll probably be pushing to do a little bit longer and their athletic history. So in general, though, to, guess to answer this question, what I for most athletes, I'll be trying to get them to run, do a three-hour run a couple of times in their build-up, maybe three and a half hours. For most of you guys listening to this podcast, your run split is probably going to be longer than three and a half hours, so you're not actually going to be running the, the duration that you'll be out there on race day. But I find it's, it gets exponentially riskier as soon as you start going above three hours and especially above three and a half hours. What about so someone who's extremely slow? You know, like someone who's going to be like, let's say someone who's a five hour marathoner anyway. Mm -hmm. Then I'm probably going to get them to go and do, try to encourage them to go and do like day long hikes and things like that. So, yeah. you know, instead of trying to run for four hours, I'll go, what, how do you feel about going for an eight hour hike? Mm -hmm. um, something like that. And they're probably going to enjoy that a little bit more and it's probably a little bit less risky as well. So for those, yeah, that's probably the approach I take for those athletes. Some ideas for you to think about whether you're a coach or an athlete as well is <clears throat> rather than just doing a long run and just chugging along at a really slow pace, um, here's a couple of ideas. One is doing a building run. It's by that you might break if you're going to do a three, three hour run is trying to build into it. So the first hour might be a little bit slower than your Ironman pace. The second hour might be at your Ironman pace. And the third hour might be a little bit quicker than your Ironman pace. So that's one way of structuring it. Similar to approach to what it will sort of often do on the bike. Excuse me for a second. Uh, is it the fly? Uh, number number two is, this is what I get a lot of athletes to do is to do a, a hilly and then a flat run. Um, so within within that run, say you're doing a two and a half hour run, I might say go to an hour and a half in the hills and then go and do an hour on the flat at a pace that's just a little bit quicker than your Ironman pace. And the third one will be, and this is especially relevant if you're a somebody who maybe has some injury issues um, and you just can't get that long long run in, is perhaps doing a, a either a long or a hard bike ride before you say go out on a two hour run. So you might do, yeah, reasonably intense two hour bike ride and then do a two hour run as opposed to doing a sort of a three to three and a half hour run if you know that's going to lead to either injury or or um, you know, really prolonged recovery from a long, long training session. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? No. So I think, yeah, very personalized. Longer is better as long as you're not going to get injured or, or, um, or going to take forever to recover. And I'm, I for myself fall in that category of taking a lot longer to recover from long run sessions these days than what I was younger. So I really factored that into to my training as like, Yes, I know I've got to run three to three and a half hours a couple of times, but I've really got to be careful where I build that in because I know that I'm probably not going to get any constructive training done for at least three days after that. And so when you think about the post that run, what type of training are you putting in? Uh, active recovery. And definitely you know, if I can, I'd be doing a bike ride directly after that run. Um, it's, you know, it's not easy when we're all working is to go for a three hour run and then go for an hour and a half on the bike. But that will be my number one tip is to go biking as soon as you can after that run and then active recovery for a couple of days. So easy biking and swimming and wouldn't try running again for, for a couple of days. Interesting. Okay, uh, there you go. We're going to go to John's quiz question. So we've got an interesting quiz question here. So the question is, I'll do it for you, John. Who came third place in the inaugural Sydney Olympics? So we're going both male and female 
in the Sydney Olympics? Who got third place? That's the question. And then we're going to go into... Just, I've got to be gone in nine minutes' time. I've got somebody picking me picking me up for an open water swim. So we've got to decide what we want to what we want to finish well, with here. I think we need to wrap it up then. Okay. Or do you want to do my first try? No, we'll do Wanger of the Week and then we'll answer the quiz question. Okay. Wanger of the week. week. You can pull it up. Righty hat. Uh last week. We're in 2024. So why don't we how the hell did I finish 38th last week? What the hell are you people out there doing? Come on, shut it up. I did go for a long bike ride. I did actually do a little bit of training last week. Um, right, 24th. Who was 24th? We're in 2024. Michael Turner, Titch. He's come on Epic Camps for. Uh, he's injured, so I'm, I'm going to give him a bit of love because he's a bloody good fella. He did 16 hours and 37 minutes of training. He did a whopping 30 minutes of swimming and 16 hours and 7 minutes on the bike. So Titch is a, he's a patron of the show as well, so we love him. He came on a camp in France a few years ago. Um, he's former uh, former military man and he's from Kinabala in Cairns so he's up your daughters well not quite oh, your stay well. away from your pub makes your throat cheer at yeah. and he's uh, he's just a good man Titch he was in the military and he's consistently training he re- desperately wants to get back to running I know he's I, I usually have this rule if you haven't got done any running then you're, you're not getting wang of the week but I know he's desperately wants to get back running and he's had all sorts of injury issues doing that been bloody consistent with his training all the way through uh, the last few months his longest bike ride is 244.1 kilometers and I'm wondering if that was uh, where that was let's have a quick squiz uh, punched shout out to the mighty Chris for dragging my sorry ass home over the last 60k's now that was a bike ride he did from Ken's out into the middle of the country and back moving time 9 hours and 31 minutes mm. with 2,978 metres of climbing what the hell if you're doing 2,978 metres of climbing you want to go find a 22 metre hill to get that last little bit elapsed time he was out there for basically 11 hours 10 hours 58 minutes very impressive. It's a massive climb because the descent from the top to the bottom is about 17 k's of descent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it was and, a pretty big climb. And the nickname that we give him is Call Me Sir. That's oh, there was. we go. Michael, Call Me <laughs> Sir Turner. And I'm not sure if these are recent pictures or not, but I think they probably are. Looks like he was at the Tour Down Under recently, um, which is a big UCI bike tour in Australia. And it was on a few weeks ago. Uh, so, Michael Turner, you are our winner of the week. week. <clears throat> okay, John. So, quiz question. Now you'll know this, and, and I if you've been and if you've been listening to our recent podcast yeah. with uh, McKaylee Jones, she mentioned who was third on the females. So, if you were listening, you know this. And yeah, you I was listening, get... and I don't know it. Yeah, I even interviewed her. I so don't know who, it. Who was third place finisher on the males and females side? Was it another Australian is... girl for Australia? No, you, you're on a you're on the right sort of path because it's the same country on the females as the winner, and the oh, winner came from Switzerland. And that, uh, but third place, I'm almost positive, was Magali Mesma. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't even think I need to look that up. No. But uh, pretty sure that was on the female side. And on the on the male side, the way the race panned out in the Sydney Olympics, it was a bit of a three-horse battle towards the end. And you had Simon Whitfield, who took the race out. And I'm almost positive. Are you looking at the result, are you? Yeah. I'm yep. pretty sure it was Jan Rahula, who was from the Czech Republic, who was in second place. And third place was Stefan Vukovic, who was a German dude. Wouldn't have expected him to do very well. Bald, bald guy. No, you got you got to run away. 
Ah, oh, it was so, Vukovic. Yeah, so it second. was Stefan Vukovic was second from Germany. Ah. And Jan Rahulda from the Czech Republic, he was third. And, oh. and Magdalene Mac, was third in the... Magdalene yeah. Yeah. So... Very so good. Yeah. And if you're interested in those You wouldn't first, have picked that top three, would you? No. When you when you did look back, they so they did have a bit more form than perhaps what you would have thought, but you, you, they weren't the favourites. You, know, you would have thought Simon Lessing, um, Hamish Carter. Uh, I don't can't, don't think Brad Bevan was racing, but you would have... Yeah, you would not have picked them. Yeah. Okay, John, uh, have you swam? No, you haven't because you've been here, so no swim set today. Let's let's wrap things up. So let's say thank you to our patrons. Uh, it's my page gone, Bevan. Where's Matthew page? Dingo Jones. We've got Liz Elastigil Marshall and then Colin, the all-rounder Pollock. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me. Be great because you support the boys and what we do. We really do appreciate all the patrons who support the show. Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com for Epic Camp. EpicCamp.com. Have you still got an entry for? I'm uh, no. Keep an eye on Facebook if you want to come to France. Um, keep an eye on my Epic Camp Facebook page or follow my Instagram page. I know I've got, I've got an infrequent poster on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I've got an Epic Camp page. As when we do camps, we're going to put put up some cool pictures. Okay, nice. And if you want anything, I do it's BevanJamesOwls.com. If you want to email us, email us at IamTalkPodcast at gmail.com. John, your gosh, you got a minute. My gosh. Uh, Back on the bike, did a hundred and took some around the gorges at the weekend, and uh, which is a hundred and sixty-five k's ride, which was good to get done. Going the for gorges, my second, nice, yeah. Going for my second open water swim in a week to this morning in three minutes time. Uh, so it's good busting out the old new orca wetsuit, which I'm loving. And other than that, Bevan, public holiday today, so need to try to chill out a little bit. Well, I'm not. I'm working. I, I actually got back on my bike on the weekend, John. Oh, I had a short get ready for your big mountain bike. You got to get ready for your big bloody mountain bike, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I haven't been a long. I haven't done a long run in a long time. So I thought every Sunday I'm just going to get out. And I'll try to get up to like four hours. Nothing too crazy. But mm. um, I did a couple of hours on Sunday. It was a beautiful day for it. it Absolutely. Was. Yeah. So I did that. I got up early, and well, slipping Sunday, so I was up at like seven. Got on the bike, did a couple of hours, and then we spent all day painting our decks. And then <laughs> oh, people are gonna love that <laughs> painting your deck. I was brushing it all day long, uh-huh. and so painting my decks. I cleaned my windows and I did my spiders around the roof. It was a real house day. Sat down to watch TV at about seven o'clock at night. Fell asleep straight away. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was paid. <laughs> it was a beautiful day on Sunday, but holy shit, was was it cold? First thing, we were out cycling, and it was. I looked at the temperature before we left. It was going to be four degrees centigrade. It's like, whoa. And when we were out near Rangiora, it was below four degrees. And we had, that. we've got a guy, coach, a Malaysian dude who's out here. And it was his first time experiencing temperatures like that. I was talking to him and his jaw was like basically frozen <laughs> shut. He could not talk and his hands were shaking. It was quite entertaining. But then it warmed up and it was beautiful. Okay, let's rock and roll. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.